Why don't you turn to John chapter 4, and uh, we'll dive right in here. While you're turning there, I'm going to pray. Jesus, thanks for the promise of your spirit and uh, your counsel. I'm, I'm grateful for it. Um, I ask that you'd guide my thoughts today that the words that result would accomplish your will and your purposes, even as you taught us to pray, Jesus, uh, our Father who is in heaven, holy is your name, your kingdom come, and your will be done on this earth as it is in heaven. And so, Lord, it seems, uh, according to your word, that it is your will for us to feed ourselves spiritually, and so may your will be established on this earth in our lives. Amen. John chapter 4, verses 31 to 34 it says, Meanwhile, his disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. Then his disciples said to each other, Could someone have brought him food? My food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. My food is to do the will of him who sent me. So Jesus uses this word food, like we are in these weeks, uh, as a metaphor to illustrate spiritual feeding, to illustrate um, an interaction with the Father, a relationship with the Father, an interaction where He's receiving His directives from the Father. And so we're going to be looking at that today, um, the two things that I'll be speaking of, one motive, why do I want to feed myself spiritually, why should I do that, and uh, secondly is how can I do that. So why feed myself, if you want to write that down in your notes, one is it's a sign of maturity. Anyone, according to Hebrews 5, 13 to 14, anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. But solid food is for the mature who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. Who by constant use, who by constant use, could everybody say that together? Who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish from good and evil. How can we really know? what is good and what is evil if we are not in constant use of this word. You've, you've heard the uh, illustration about how bankers, my wife Sherry worked at a bank, and how they train them to uh, distinguish between counterfeit and the real stuff. And the way that they actually do that is not by having them handle the counterfeit, right? You've heard this before? Not by having them handle the counterfeit a lot, but by having, having them handle the real thing more. So that when the counterfeit comes into hand, they go, ooh, that's not right. It doesn't feel right. So by constant use, we're able to distinguish uh, good from evil. But it also says anyone who lives on milk, still being an infant, um, is not really distinguishing righteousness either. You know, it's, it's normal, as I said earlier, for us to come here on a, a weekly basis and gather and hear the preaching of the Scriptures. And uh, according to the Scriptures, some are called to feed the flock. Um, Jesus even said that to Peter when he restored his relationship with Peter after Peter had denied him three times. You remember that? Um, what, did, what did Jesus say to Peter? Okay, let's get back at it. He said, feed my sheep. He commissioned Peter to do that. So it's appropriate we do that. Um, however, while it's totally appropriate for us to um, do that, it's, it's kind of like um, it's normal for an infant to be fed. So if you're new in your relationship with Jesus, um, it's normal for you to be here and to be fed. Um, it wouldn't be normal to take an infant and, and kind of set it aside and say, hey, feed yourself. Um, because that, you know, an infant, I mean, it would starve. Um, so it's normal for us to feed you. 
but it's also normal for you to learn to feed yourself. Um, you saw the, the, the video vignette that took place last week where um, the two young ladies, they were doing that sketch and uh, one had their arms through and it looked like she was feeding herself and then you realize that actually it was somebody else and it kind of got messy and we laughed at that, but, but it's the same thing. And wouldn't it be weird to be sitting in a restaurant and look over and see two adults and one is feeding the other from across the table. And you might think, well, that, that's understandable. There might be a disability there. Um, but then you realize, well, it doesn't seem like it. They're, they're both having a normal conversation. They both seem to have, uh, you know, normal dexterity. Uh, but the other one is, you know, one is feeding the other. And you would just think, man, grow up. <laughs> you know, why, feed, feed yourself. I mean, it, it's, just, it's just not normal, is it? to have someone else feed you as an adult. And so it's normal for you to learn to feed yourself. And we see this model in the scriptures. And I just want to tell you today, this is not a topic that we just, out of our own cleverness or as a strategy to um, make our lives easier and, and take work off our plate and, put, and shift the responsibility of, of spiritual feeding from, from us uh, to you. Um, this is not our idea. This is a, a model that we see in the scriptures as being normal. And we're actually going to look specifically at Jesus' life to see that. So, why feed myself? One, it's a sign of maturity. Second, it's personal. In Matthew 14, verse 23, after he had dismissed them, this is Jesus, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. And when evening came, he was there alone. So he went up and, and actually stayed there, and when it got dark, he continued there to pray. In Luke chapter 6, verse 12, it says, one of, the, one of those days Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray and spent the night praying to God. Well, that seems odd. Why does, why does Jesus need to pray to God? Um, well, this is what Paul referred to as the mystery of the gospel, uh, that, that Jesus is God in the flesh, that, that God in His perfect love chose to put on flesh and dwell among us, according to John chapter 1. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory full of grace and truth, right? So, here He is, He's fully God, but He's also fully man. Well, why, why would He choose that form? Um, well, because if Jesus is at the right hand of the Father, preparing a place for us right now. You know that that's what's happening, right? Uh, according to John chapter 14. <clears throat> so, if, if that's where He is, and that's where I want to be, doesn't it make sense that I would follow Him there? And however He got there, that's how I'd go? You know, that's why we call ourselves followers of Jesus. It makes sense. So, what he modeled for us here while he was on this earth is the same behavior that would be true for us in our relationship with him. So he talked to the Father. He, he met with him and interacted with, acted with him privately in order to receive from the Father his directives and in order to engage in a loving relationship with the Father. When he was hemorrhaging blood on that rock in the Garden of Gethsemane before he went to the cross, his words, the Scripture says, in, in showing his love for the Father, he said, not my will but yours be done. Right? This came out of interaction with the Father. Don't get this idea that Jesus was you know, kind of off doing his own thing because after all, and I know it's a mystery that the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit are one. I, I understand it's a mystery. But, you know, that term mystery in the Bible is not the same way as the way we use it to us. A mystery is something that it, something we don't understand. Um, it's just a mystery. You don't get to understand it. It just, it just happens. In the Bible, when that term is used, it actually describes something that used to be hidden and is now revealed. Okay? 
like uh, in Ephesians chapter 5, and I, I'm, I'm not wandering too far, trust me. Uh, in Ephesians chapter 5, when he says marriage is a mystery, how many agree with that? And then he says, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. It's revealed. Show me somebody that understands Jesus and his love for us and our response to that love for us. Our response as a bride to him, and I'll show you somebody that understands marriage. That's what Paul was saying. Show me somebody that understands uh, a husband's love for his bride and his bride's response to him, and I'll show you somebody that understands the church. Jesus and his love for his bride. It's, 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 it's a mystery. Marriage is a mystery, but I'm talking about Christ the church, so it's revealed. And so Jesus reveals his relationship with the Father by, by what he did. It's not, a, it's not a mystery anymore. And so look at Mark chapter 1, verse uh, 35. Um, Actually, uh, uh, I think I skipped Luke 6, 12. One of those days, Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray and spent the night praying to God. And then Mark 1, 35, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up and he left the house and went off to a solitary place where he was praying. Everybody else was still asleep. Jesus got up early. It was still dark. He went to a solitary place and he prayed. Why? To talk to the Father. What is, Father, what do you have for me today? My food is to do your will and to finish your work. I've, I've got some news for you. Just think about this. Whatever reason that Jesus came here, whatever that reason was that he came here, why we're here is the same. Whatever, whatever reason that Jesus came here for, the reason we're here is the same. Jesus came to reconcile us to the Father by atoning for our sin so that we could be reconciled into a relationship with Him. And then Paul, the apostle, followed that up and said, because you've been reconciled to God, therefore go and reconcile others. So what are we doing? We're doing what Jesus did. And, 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 he, and we're going to see here in a minute as he starts to make this transition with his disciples, explaining to them something's changing here. Um, I know you're, you're enjoying hanging out with me and seeing all this cool stuff take place, the miracles and the healings and, and water turned into wine and people raised from the dead and demons cast out. I know you're enjoying the show. However, I've got news for you. I'm going away. And I must go away so that my spirit can come and be in you. Because in 2011, I don't want to still be here being a one-man show. In fact, I'm going to multiply myself by as many as who believe. And he did that. And he put his spirit. The Bible says he, he breathed. I think it's in John 20. I may be wrong on that address. He breathed his spirit into the disciples. And guess what happened? He, he went away after... Raising from the dead and showing himself to over 500 people in a 40-day period, he ascended into heaven, and his spirit now comes and is in us, and he, and he put his spirit in those disciples, and they began to propagate the gospel and do what Jesus did. And he said, we'll do greater things than he did. And I, personally, I don't believe that that word greater means that we'll, we'll do more spectacular or bigger things, but it'll be greater by number, uh, multiplied by by hundreds of thousands, even millions of believers today because he breathed his spirit into those early believers. And now today, uh, Christ is, is all across this planet represented by his spirit in us. That, that has always been his plan, to reconcile others to the Father. So, not only... Is feeding ourselves a sign of maturity. It's, it's personal, as we see in Jesus' life, as He went to the Father. Also, it's to garner wisdom. Write that down. The reason I say garner, I use that word garner because it, it's a, a harvesting word, um, to, to gather up. You know, there's two ways to get wisdom. Paul used it, and I'm going I'm to sort of uh, paraphrase his terms. Um, he said, let my bummer be your blessing. Remember, you know, if you've read your, your Bibles, you've heard Paul talk like this, you know, the suffering that I've experienced, 
The persecution that I've endured has been on your behalf for your sake. And uh, he's kind of saying, let my bummer be your blessing. I was, a, I was a, a second child. I have a brother that's two years older than me. There's two ways to garner wisdom. One is from someone else's mistakes, someone else's experiences, and the other is from your own mistakes and experiences. And so, consequently, my brother got more spankings than I did growing up because I spent a lot of time saying, oh, hmm, I won't do that. Because <laughs> my dad was a disciplinarian. And uh, interestingly, my parents, and I remember this, but my parents always thought it was, they thought it was kind of neat. Um, I, I didn't. Um, it was, it was kind of, it was hard. But they thought it was neat that I would cry when my brother got a spanking. You have, you have any kids like that? You spank one of them, the other one cries? And you're like, come on, you know. Well, it grieved my heart to see my brother suffering. And it was just weird. It struck a heart nerve in me. To, to see my brother's pain. And uh, that's a way to garner wisdom. So wouldn't it, be, wouldn't it be great if we could garner wisdom from other people's experiences, other people's suffering? And so I, I watch you in your life and, and uh, I, see, I see David and I, and I go... I could use that. And I see Ken. I, say, I, I see what Ken's going through. I can use that. And I see what Jason's going through, and I, I, I can use that. And I see what Paul went through, and ooh. And I see Jesus' life, and I, I'm just garnering wisdom all the time. And constant use, right? So this is also why we feed ourselves spiritually. And then... Finally, to uh, interact with the Holy Spirit. I, I want you to... Um, I'm, I'm going to take a few minutes to deconstruct some things today. Um, I, I don't want this to be... Um, especially when I begin to share what our volunteers are doing as a tool. I don't want this to feel like um, we're just kind of presenting to you another strategy that may or may not work for you. Um, you know, kind of like a diet. You know, many of us have tried 12 different kinds, you know, and some worked and some didn't, but it's just, you know, it's just another idea, another plan. You know, they all can work, but it's just another one, you know. I don't want to be giving you just another strategy today. The the key to what I'm going to share with you today, and, and Andrew and I have talked about this a lot, and I really impressed on his heart uh, last night as we kind of tuned up, that as he coached these folks today, that they understand clearly that, that the key to this is understand that we're having an interaction with the Holy Spirit, an encounter with the Holy Spirit. This is not just another academic approach to the Bible. I grew up um, in the church, uh, I heard Kathy Cheney say to one of the shepherding groups as she was sharing a few weeks ago that she's been going to church since she was a fetus. And uh, so I, I could say the same thing. And as a young person, as a teenager growing up in the church, um, I was teaching a, a junior high Sunday school class when I was 18, my senior year in high school. Nobody else was willing to do it. They, oh, Doug will do it. And they, just, they put me in there with 25 junior high kids. And... Uh, and it wasn't, even then, through that time in my life and, and being called into ministry, it wasn't until my second year in full-time youth ministry that I actually began to read my Bible regularly uh, as, a, as, a, um, as an interaction with the Lord. Uh, read my Bible conversationally with the Lord. I was studying it all the time to regurgitate lessons and sermons and things, you know, uh, because that's, that was my job. And of course... Um, I, I was learning, and, I, and I, I don't ever underestimate what the Lord was doing in spite of my lack of discipline during those days, because I was still in the Word. However, I didn't really begin to experience this, um, you know, what, what does it mean to walk in step with the Spirit as a result of hearing regularly, like Jesus was hearing from the Father, uh, being able to say, not just, here's what the Bible says and I want to teach you and I want to show you. 
But to be able to say, here's what the Lord is saying to me. Let me share that with you. You know? So, or maybe it's none of your business. Here's what the Lord is saying to me, and the rest is none of your business. I need to know, what is the Lord saying to me? So, it's really important that we understand that this is interacting with the Holy Spirit. And um, let me point you to where this transition takes place in Jesus' relationship with the disciples. In John 14, he says, uh, verse 15 to 17, if you love me, you will obey what I command, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. And then in verses 25 to 26, he said, All this I have spoken while still with you, but the counselor, the Holy Spirit, from whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. So what is, the, what is the office of the Holy Spirit? To teach and to remind, to bring to remembrance the things that we've already learned that are spiritual? So he's a counselor. And uh, verse, uh, chapter 15, the next chapter, these three chapters of John 14, 15, and 16 are, are really interesting. And they unfold this relationship as it, tra as it transitions uh, between Jesus and the disciples and His Spirit and the disciples. And so, he says, When the Counselor comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who goes out from the Father, He will testify about me. That's what the Holy Spirit does. He comes alongside us before we are... Born again is the term that Jesus used. He comes alongside us and he reveals who Jesus is until finally we say, you know what? Okay, I agree. That's when we say, yes, Lord. You are Lord. I agree. That's not something that comes from our flesh. That's not something we discover on our own. That's something that the Holy Spirit reveals to us. In fact, uh, uh, Blackaby, if you've read Knowing and Experiencing the Will of God, he, he makes a statement in there that I happen to agree with. He says, real truth is not discovered. Capital T, real truth is not discovered. It's revealed. Because if I think that real truth, especially, you know, the capital T, Jesus, who is he? What has he done? Uh, you mean there's a, there's a miracle that takes place where I'll... I'll, I'll move from darkness into light, where I'll be literally transformed. Uh, and I'm just going to throw out some terms that are biblical terms, uh, but I'm not going to you know, tell you what they are and not explain them. You know, to be regenerated. What is, what is that? Made completely reconstructed, made new. A, a, a miraculous transformation that takes place in my life. To be born again. That's where life starts. Spiritual life starts. The old man is dead and the, the new man has been raised with Christ. Where do these terms come from that we see in the Bible? Well, this, this transition is happening. And so, we're, at, we're, we're interacting with the Holy Spirit. Look at John chapter 16, verse 7. But I tell you the truth. It is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the counselor will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. You see what Jesus is saying? Hey, I have to go. Because in order for this, this to, to happen according to my will and my sovereignty, I must go away so that my spirit can come and be in you, and I'll multiply myself by as many as who believe. So I must go away. Look at... Uh, John 16, verses 12 to 15. I know I'm moving through these quickly, but if you are looking at your handout, um, I've actually included these references, not the whole passage, so you don't have to, uh, in case you don't get one of them written down, they're actually in your handout. So uh, John 16, verses 12 to 15, he says, I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. Wow. He, did, you hear, did you catch that? I have much more to say to you. More than you can now bear. So there are things that he wants to say to us that he didn't even say to us when he was here. He just said that. I have much more to say to you, more than, more than you can now bear. Well, how is he going to say to us? 
How's he going to say it to us later? How's he going to say it to us when he's at the right hand of the Father? This is the role of his Spirit, the Holy Spirit. I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears. And he will tell you what is yet to come. And he will bring glory to me by taking from what is mine and making it known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will take from what is mine and make it known to you. You mean everything that the Father has given Jesus in knowledge and revelation and understanding and wisdom and experience and relationship, everything that the Father has given Jesus, He is going to give to us? We have access to all of those things through Him, and it happens because of the Holy Spirit's role. Really? All that? Are you kidding me? Cool. The Apostle Paul, after Jesus had done what he said, rose from the dead, ascended into heaven, uh, breathed his spirit into the disciples, at the right hand of the Father, and His Holy Spirit is, is, is entering. Our, the Bible says our body becomes a temple of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's coming into all of those who say, Yes, Lord, You are Lord. Who makes that confession, the Holy Spirit comes in and takes up residence in us. That has happened now. And the Apostle Paul was one of those. And as he writes his, to the Galatian church, he says this, So I say to you, live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. I believe you know that's true. It all makes sense now, doesn't it? That battle that is waged between our ears, that in, in our hearts and in our heads. And so the spirit is, uh, for the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They're in conflict with each other, so that you do not do what you want. You want to do the right thing, but because this battle is going, sometimes you don't. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. What does that mean to be led by the Spirit and not under the law? Well, if I go out here and make a left, come down, there's going to be a signal, the light's red, it's going to be yellow first, and then, and then it's going to turn a slight pink. If it's pink, you can still go through it, right? If it's not quite red yet, you don't have to stop? Is that what the law says? My dad used to say that. Uh, he said, Dad, wasn't that light red? Nah, it was just a little pink. <laughs> no, it was red, Dad. So how do I know that it's against the law to run a red light? Because it's written. And if I do, there's a consequence. Right? So is that the only reason I don't run a red light, just because it's written? Or do I not run a red light because something in my, in my character, um, in my heart, has matured to a place where I just go, you know, that's wrong. Well, there's a big difference between just, you know, red lights and all of life that takes place. All that of living and breathing and moving and having our being in Him, in Christ, all that's encompassed in that, you know, I, I need the directives of the Holy Spirit. I need the wisdom and counsel of the Holy Spirit. When it comes to my relationship with my wife, being a parent, being a neighbor, I, I, man, being an employee, it's not easy working for Pastor Stan. <laughs> you know, be, being in this life, I, I need the wisdom and the counsel and the directives of the Holy Spirit, right? I mean, otherwise, if I'm not garnering wisdom from other believers, if I'm not garnering wisdom from other believers, that's, that's how this got compiled, other believers inspired by the Holy Spirit, writing their experiences with God. If I'm not garnering wisdom from them, where do I think I'm going to get it? From my own cleverness, cleverness out of my, my sin nature? From, from others who aren't following. That's why Psalm chapter 1 says, Blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, but walks in the way 
of righteousness. Doesn't sit in the seat of the scornful, but takes his delight in the law of the Lord. So, where am I going to get wisdom? I'm going to get it from somewhere. I need it. I want it from the Holy Spirit, the Counselor. So, in Galatians 5, verse 25, he says, since this is the case, verse, 20, or verse 25, see where it says since? Since then, he's following up this statement that he just made about the conflict between flesh and spirit, the Holy Spirit in our flesh. But he says, since we live by the Spirit, let us walk in step with the Spirit. In other words, since life begins, it sounds like it's kind of redundant, living and walking, living and walking in step. Let's, let's separate it out because it should be. Since life begins with the Holy Spirit, since my relationship with Christ was a supernatural work of the Holy Spirit where He revealed truth to me, I submitted to that truth, said, yes, you are Lord. Jesus, you are Lord. That was a miracle. That life began as a work of the Holy Spirit. I didn't come up with that on my own. And since life starts there, doesn't it make sense that from that point on, I would listen to that one. I would listen to the one who transformed me. I would listen and follow and walk in step from that point on with that one, with the Holy Spirit, with Him. That's what Galatians 5.25 is. Start here, let's stay there. Let's continue to get our counsel from the Holy Spirit. You know, an agenda is not an exact thing when you're with someone else. And that's why the tool that I'm going to show you today, I, I, I'm not just, again, just giving you another diet, another agenda, because it can't be just an agenda, because when there's someone else involved, it's no longer an agenda anymore, is it? As soon as you involve another person in that relationship, it's subject to move and to change and to, and to, you know, because there's someone else involved. The Holy Spirit. It's not one-sided. It's not just an academic experience. If that's all you've been experiencing is, is kind of an academic experience, that's hard to revisit. It's hard to be motivated to revisit that kind of thing. That's why it wasn't until I was my second year in full-time ministry that I began to interact with the Holy Spirit. Because up until then, it was, just, it was an academic experience. And I, so I would only visit that when I had to, because I had a Sunday school class to teach. Anybody know what I'm talking about? So, this is an interaction with the Holy Spirit. Those are the reasons why I feed myself. This is, why we, this is our motive for feeding ourselves spiritually. It's a sign of maturity. It's personal. It's an interaction with the Holy Spirit. So, there's a debate that goes on. Um, is, it we, is it that we grow spiritually because we're in frequent use of the Scriptures, and so we grow spiritually? Or is it that we're in frequent use of the Scriptures because we desire to? We have a relationship with Him. Is it the chicken or the egg? Does the desire come because I read the Word, or do I read the Scriptures because I have a desire to? There's a debate that goes on, right? It goes on in your mind. Some of you, you get frustrated because, man, I don't have a desire. Is there something wrong with me? I don't have a desire to read the Scriptures daily or even once or twice a week. Is there something wrong with my spiritual life? Is there something disconnected, gone away in my relationship with Jesus? I know He saved me. I, I know, I, I mean, I understand that and I, and I love Him, but why am I not motivated to be with Him? And, and so we, we, we wrestle with this. Stop it. Stop the wrestle. It's, you know, it's like arguing is a chicken and the egg. Am I motivated? Do, do I have a desire to read the Word because I love Him, or do I develop a love for Him because I read the Word? That's, you know, think of it, uh, Pastor Dan mentioned this one time. Think of it just like a Ferris wheel. Just get on. Don't debate it. Don't, don't wonder which it is. It's both. It's both. Sometimes we don't feel like it. But we do it because it's good for us. Sometimes I don't feel like eating, but the doctor says, I need you to eat. Right, Dr. Johnson? I, I, you don't feel, but you need to eat something. So you eat. 
Sometimes all you want to do is eat. Don't forget the debate. Don't, don't get high-centered on those kinds of emotions. Just get on and stay on. I'm going to give you a plan to help you with that. So, how can I feed myself? One is pray daily. Um, if you pick up one of our journals, you'll, uh, there's an acrostic in there, pray, and read that. It's helpful. It describes kind of your posture of heart as you approach the Scriptures. Pray something like this. Holy Spirit, you are the counselor and revealer of truth. I trust you to tutor my heart today, and I expect to learn from you. This is what our folks did first thing when they sat down that Andrew coached them in. First thing we're going to do is pray. And he told them what to pray and why to pray it. Like it's, I, just, I just explained to you in the Scriptures the relationship with the Holy Spirit. And so it's appropriate to say, Holy Spirit, you're the counselor, you're the comforter, you're the revealer of truth. Teach me today. I expect to learn from you. Do that before you start to write. And the reason I want you to do that is because, matter of fact, even this week, and I, and I, and I told this brother I was going to use this illustration so he knew in advance, um, one of the folks that I called to, and I'm going to tell you his name, of course, but one of the folks that I called said, hey, would you do this? Would you be one of my volunteers? He said, you know, I don't like doing that sort of thing because when I do, it, it just seems random. It doesn't really seem like it's from the Lord. You know, I'm kind of doing this, and I'm writing down the thought that comes to my mind. It just, it just seems random. That's why I, I prefer to just kind of, you know, do an in-depth study. You know, I like to study the Bible. Well, what I heard there is I'm limited to academic experiences because he'd already admitted that he doesn't regularly throughout the week frequent that relationship, that interaction, that correspondence with the Lord. So don't get stuck there either when I, when I begin to talk to you about journaling, about writing, especially you men, because I I, I'm a guy, this is designed for us, okay? When I show you how to do this, it's because we don't like to write a lot, okay? But the reason it's not random and it's not just an academic experience is because we just said, Holy Spirit, teach me, help me, and tutor my heart. The other thing, uh, the other way that I can feed spiritually is it's important to write things down. Let me, let me show you a couple of scriptures that are actually in the Bible. Joshua 1.8, um, excuse me, meditate day and night. I skipped that part. Fill that in, those of you who need to fill in blanks. Meditate day and night. Joshua 1.8 said, do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Meditation is, I, I believe, is the lost art of the believer. We, we've kind of moved away from it because we're scared of it. We think that's what, you know, if I, that's what the Eastern religions do. You know, we don't meditate. Well, read the Psalms. I mean, David, he used that word. I've never counted, but a lot, okay? Uh, and he talked about meditating. Read Psalm 119. Um, it's kind of like the word describes... Um, like a cow chewing its cud. You know, it's a long process. It seems like a waste of time, but they do it. Otherwise, you don't get good milk. You know, they chew on that grass. You know, you get this picture of this cow just laying out in the pasture. He's kind of, kind of chewed up a bunch of grass. Now he's going to lay down and just chew his cud. And, and just kind of, and then he's going to bring it up a little bit later. Chew on it some more. Seems gross. Seems, seems redundant. Um, seems tedious. But, but they, they have to do that in order to produce good milk, sweet milk. And, and so that's what we're doing. We're, we're kind of just, I, I've often referred to it as marinating also, because I like to barbecue, you know, and I like to marinate my meat. And uh, so I think of my time with the Lord throughout the week uh, when I'm not listening to a sermon and being fed, when I'm feeding myself, it's kind of like marinating in the Scriptures, just letting it soak in and letting it taint me with good, you know, because I can always be tainted with the world, but I, I want to be tainted by the scriptures, okay? And so, for example, David in Psalm 119, as he talks about um, his love for the scriptures, I just, I'm not going to turn to Psalm 119, but I want you to just fill in these blanks. These are, these are just five things that just stand out. You could probably find 50 more in Psalm 119. But 
These are the results of his meditating, his marinating, his chewing on the Scriptures. One is he's strengthened against sin, verse 11 says. Uh, Verses 15 and 16 says that he finds delight in learning more about God. And uh, verse 18 says that he discovers wonderful spiritual truths when he does this. And verse 24 says that he finds wise counsel for daily living. Again, I'm talking about motive. Why do I do this? How do I do this? Finally, write it down. Make a copy for yourself. Now, why have I become kind of a, a real proponent of writing things down? Well, look at uh, Deuteronomy chapter 17, verses 18 to 20. When he takes the throne of his kingdom, he is to write for himself on a scroll a copy of the law taken from that of the priests who are the Levites. It is to be with him, and he is to read it all the days of his life so that he may learn to revere the Lord his God and follow carefully all the words of this law and the decrees and not consider himself better than his brothers and turn from the law to the right or to the left. Then he and his descendants will reign and long, uh, reign a long time over his kingdom in Israel. Write it down. So you follow it, so others follow it, so whoever finds it, picks it up and reads it and follows it, write it down. Pastor Stan picked up, uh, shared yesterday at a, a memorial, a Bible that belonged to a wonderful believer. And, it, and folks wept as he read things that she had underlined in her Bible and things that she had written, notes that she had taken. Man, she's continuing to speak and minister, and the Word continues to speak and minister even after she's gone. I want, I want my grandkids to pick up my journals, find them in a drawer, and read what I wrote, and garner wisdom. So I write it down. Habakkuk chapter 2, verses, uh, verses 2 to 3 says, Write down the revelation and make it plain on tablets so that a herald may run with it, for the revelation awaits a, an appointed time. I think we live in an appointed time. We've been past a baton. But let's, let's be prepared to hand that baton on to someone else. And so let's write things down. What is the Lord saying to us? And so finally, I'm going to give you this tool. As a matter of fact, I think one of our volunteers is back. And so let's go ahead and have one of them share um, what they've been doing. So, Brogan, why don't you come first? I know time is ticking away here, but uh, we're just about done. I'm going to come down and meet you there, bro. Why don't, you, why don't you meet me right down here? So uh, just read from your journal. I'm not going to ask you to expound on or anything like that. Okay. okay so. um, well, I, I did a Ephesians 1, verse 6, and it says, So we praise God for the wonderful kindness He has poured out on us because we belong to His dearly loved Son. And what this verse is saying is, is speaking on how God chose us from the beginning of time and how he had promised to save us, and how we need to always praise him throughout our day for saving us. And um, the application part is, when I go through my day, um, I need to praise God, no matter if I'm having a bad day, if I'm having a good day, I just need to always praise God for saving me and choosing to save me. So my prayer is that, God, help me to always praise you, help me to always praise you in the good times and the bad times, and thank you for saving me. All right. Brogan, let me just uh, just want to show you something, and I, I don't know if I don't know if the guys can zero in on this, but down the left-hand column of his journal, it says S O A P. You can't see that, but you, maybe you can see the uh, letters over in the left-hand column. And I'm going to explain to you what that means right now. And uh, thanks, Brogan. Thank you. So, uh, and I'll have the others come in just a minute. So, uh, soap, S O. A-P. Here's what I want you to do. This is a tool that I'm going to share with you. This is what my son and I do uh, throughout the week. We get together once a week and we just kind of talk about it. So um, when you sit down to meet with the Lord or you go to that solitary place like Jesus did, uh, you should have four things. One is something to write on um, so you can use a journal or any, whatever you have at home. Um, we have these horizon journals that we've made for you for this purpose and there's actually a sample Uh, in the front of the journal of what I'm going to show you. You should have your Bible. Um, You should have the bookmark that you're reaching for right now. 
as uh, it's each one of uh, you can share because there's there was one put in each of the bulletins and it has that soap acrostic on there and you should have a to-do list now that seems kind of weird huh your 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 daily to-do list here's why there's all kinds of dis- distractions I'll be sitting down to meditate uh, you know to to chew my cud um, and I'll, I'll think oh, Sherry said to grab milk uh, get a gallon of milk on my way home. Or, uh, man, I, I need to return that email. I told that person Sunday morning during the first service that I would email them, uh, and I haven't done that yet. And So what I do is I take that off of my brain and put it on my to-do list, and it's gone then. That distraction is gone. And I might pick that up three or four times uh, during a half-hour or 20-minute time that I'm uh, meditating on the Scriptures, okay? So uh, I, I just think that that's helpful. It's helped me. And uh, so this is what you're going to do. Pretend this is a page in your Bible. And these folks were all assigned the same passage, Ephesians chapter 1. And so Andrew told them, here's what I want you to do, just read. Don't be too concerned about the parts that you don't understand or don't make sense. It's okay. The Bible's been around for a long time. That page isn't going away. There's going to be other times in your life. You'll read through it again. Okay? You'll understand it later. Right now, you just prayed, Holy Spirit, tutor me. That's the first thing you want to do. You're the counselor. And so as you read, know that this is not random anymore. Trust that the Holy Spirit is leading you. And there's something that He wants to speak to you. There will be times where you just go, man, I'm not getting it. That's okay. Stay on the Ferris wheel. All right? Go back tomorrow. All right? So in the left-hand, or excuse me, as you're reading along in the Bible, um, you're going to come to something that actually you do understand, and it, it... it's kind of a, hmm, I think I want to meditate on that. Underline that. It might just be a word. It might be two lines. But don't park there. Keep reading. Okay? You might come across something else. Maybe it's just a, one word or a, a line. And then don't park there either. Keep reading. And then you, you might come to another one. You underline a whole sentence. And now, you know, 15 minutes have gone by if you're just getting started. And that's, maybe that's all the time that you have that day. You're done reading now. You might have read 10 verses. You might have read a whole chapter. I don't know. Uh, it's not about how much you read. It's about how much time do you have and what did you underline. And then pick one. Remember, you prayed, so this isn't random. So pick one. And, yeah, you know, I think I want to meditate on that. All right? Take that passage and write it down in your journal. On the left-hand side of your journal, until it becomes habit, just to remind yourself, write soap. The reason I put a line there, because observation and application oftentimes overlap a little bit. They kind of get connected. But I try to separate them. So write out your scripture. Okay, by the way, the soap in the fountain this morning, if you saw that coming into church, I didn't put it there just for this, just, just for this illustration. I think one of the neighbor kids got to it. So... Uh, so I, I thought it was a great idea. He, did, he thought he was hurting us, but really he was helping us, wasn't he? So you'll remember soap. So uh, scripture, observation. Now I'm going to say, so I wrote out that scripture. It only takes a couple of lines in your journal. The whole thing that you just saw Brogan did was, was just one page in his journal. So the observation is going to be a summary. I don't even know if that's spelt correctly, so bear with me. Uh, a summary of what this says. So what is the patch? So look at your look at your handout right now. This uh, bookmark that you're going to keep with you. It's going to go in your Bible. It's going to go in your journal. This is the observe part. As I read the Word of God, I need to ask myself questions like, Who is speaking? What is God saying to me through these words? Is there a promise for me to claim? A sin to forsake? A command to obey? I've put this on a bookmark for you so that you know those are appropriate questions to ask. What is this? What is this saying to me? Now here's where a lot of Christians park. They close up shop, and they're done for the day. But we're not done yet. So far, this is an academic experience. We want this to be an exchange with the Holy Spirit, an interaction with the Holy Spirit. So now we're going to say, what am I going to do? So this is the do part. James chapter 1 says, don't be like a man who looks in the mirror and walks away and forgot what he saw. The point is, what effect did the mirror have? What effect did the scriptures have if I don't derive this application and say, Lord, what do you want me to do? And then the final part, and you'll see that on your bookmark, 
It says, uh, having observed what God is speaking, I then need to apply what God has said to me. This is where I ask questions like, what does this look like in my life? What will I do now as an obedient and loving response to God? This is the doing part. Okay? And then the, the last part's simple. You're going to pray again. Only you're going to say now, Lord, help me. Holy Spirit, lead me. Teach me. Uh, build these things into my life. Help me do that. And you're done. That took about, well, you saw, it took about 15 or 20 minutes. So why don't, uh, why don't our next volunteers come and then we'll be done. So this is uh, Brad and Julianne Williams. Again, think how brave these people are being. <laughs> so Julianne, you want to go first? Sure. Okay. Uh, and when you believed in Christ, he identified you and it, as his own words, I read that right, mm -hmm. by giving you the Holy Spirit whom he promised long ago. The Spirit is God's guarantee that he will give us everything he promised and that he has purchased us to be his own people. Uh, the observation, uh, words that stand out like identified, giving, promised, guarantee, purchased. Uh, we can count on him because the Holy Spirit is active today. Uh, the application, uh, action I will take is rejoice because God loved me so much and is with me daily. When I need help, remember to ask. Uh, prayer is, God, thank you for purchasing me. Give me wisdom and strength to be more like you. Awesome. Thanks. Uh, there are two verses that uh, stood out to me. Uh, verse 5, his unchanging plan has always been to adopt us into his family. And verse 11, for he chose us from the beginning, and all things happened just as he decided long ago. Um, uh, observation, God is in charge. Um, application, if times are tough, there must be something he wants me to learn or overcome. If God has put a challenge before me, he must have provided a solution. The solution should be in scripture and in those I fellowship with. Prayer. Father, give me the wisdom to understand your words and to ask for help when I don't. That's great. Now, you, I saw you guys standing back there. This didn't take you. Uh, this this didn't take you the whole time that I've been uh, teaching. You guys were back there. Uh, you, you, I, I saw you guys come out. You, this took you what twenty minutes? Probably twenty. Yeah, twenty minutes like this. And uh, thank you for doing this. All right. So, uh, did you hear her say it was easy? She said that. So. Uh, the reason I did this is because I want you know anybody can do this whether you're seven or seventy. Uh, and these are folks who read their Bibles. Uh, but I asked them, are, "Are you in the habit of journaling?" And they said, "No, we'd like to do this. We'll 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 take the risk, and uh, because it's something we'd like to develop." Okay.